remember, everybody, if you don't buy it, it's 100% off. <laughs> <laughs> Dispatches from Planet Funk. This is the Ace Out Podcast. Dedicated to all whom the man tried to ace out. By profiting from the soul. Without stopping to give props to the prophets of soul. You got that right. This is Ace Allen. Sometimes they call me Barack Wayne. Brought to you by the letter P. And we're sponsored by Pete. P-E-T-E, otherwise called People for the Ethical Treatment of Ear Holes. We're all Funkin' Out Fam affiliated because funk is just fun with a K. That's why they pronounce it funky. Hello, Jay. What up, Ace? How you doing, man? Man, I can't complain, brother. Good to see. Uh, good to see you. You know, I do have a bone to pick with you, Jay. Uh huh. You made me look foolish. What? And I. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. It was my fault. No, it was funny. Um, I forgot. Um, uh, the episode 13 we did with Wayne, Wayne Foot, right? Wayne Foot. Okay. My boy Scott was listening to that, and he said in the beginning. I said that Wayne, or I said that Slave was from Daytona. Uh-huh. And I said it like twice. I'm all Daytona. <laughs> and then, um, see, how I found out is that episode has been kind of popular. Like, people keep listening to it. I, I look in the little app, and that, that one keeps coming up. So, I'm all, so I went back and listened to it because yeah. I haven't been keeping up on listening to ASAP Podcast myself. We've okay. been doing so many episodes, you know. Word. So I went back and listened to that episode, which is great, by the way. I recommend it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sure enough, I said Daytona, and it's just so cringeworthy. <laughs> Once we put a, a something out there, we can't like suck it back. You right, know, I'm supposed yeah. to know know that. I'm supposed to edit that yeah. out. And once it's out in the ether, I can't take it back. So that mistake just keeps coming and coming. Each time a new person listens to that, they hear that mistake. And it takes away my credibility. (laughs) And when you listen to it, I can hear you. Like I go, Daytona. And you go, "Uh, uh," I can hear you do like a little. (laughs) (laughs) But then you didn't say nothing. You didn't correct Uh, me. I guess you felt sorry for me or something. (laughs) It's funny. If you go back and listen to it, I go, yeah, Daytona. And then I hear you go like. (laughs) But then, yeah, but then you don't let me off the hook. That's all oh, right. It, that's my fault. The buck stops with me. I got to edit that shit out. That's cool that you can admit it. You know that. Right, right, that, right. now people listen to it. Oh, shit. He corrected himself. I respect that. You know? Hey, man. Maybe I should be president. Um, anyway, man, we just had a really cool talk with another P-Funk all-star. I'm loving that. Yeah, that was great. We just talked to the man, Andre Fox. Um, you know who this guest reminded me of or made me think of? Um, you know, George Clinton. He's kind of, he reminds me of Prince mm-hmm. and Miles Davis in the sense that all throughout his entire career, no matter what stage he's in, when he's really big or, you know, when he's just kind of like hanging on, right. they, al- they always have interesting musicians. Like every step of their career, like Miles right. Davis, Prince, always just like these really cool musicians. Truly. And George Clinton camp is no exception. And there's just so many funk baseball cards, you know, that like you can collect. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's just wow. crazy. And Andre we need Fox. To make that. Yeah, yeah, right? We need to come out with that. Andre Fox is a perfect example. You know, it's like um, he said it, and I agree. The stuff that he did with George is just all so underrated, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. glad we're doing this episode so we can put a little shine on Andre. Yeah. Uh, Andre Fox, he came into the camp as a teenager, basically. Amazing. He started off, even though he was already a musician, um, he started off as a driver, a driver for various members of P-Funk and kind of a personal valet and hangout buddy for George's son, Tracy, Trey Lude, <laughs> and Daryl Clinton as well. And he was telling some really funny stories about that. Yeah. But anyway, Andre is a multi-instrumentalist. Somewhere along the line there, and you'll hear about it in our interview, he got a little production deal. He was recording. Sometimes there'd be like a graveyard shift session at uh, United Sound. United Sound again, Jay Stone. They're mm-hmm. there in Detroit, uh, Don Davis. And he'd go in there, maybe cut a couple demo, demos, lay some tracks. Right. People weren't really taking him seriously or they didn't really know about it. He was like the driver, you know. Right. But eventually... Don Davis did give him a production deal. George Clinton did pay attention to him. And then he did join the P-Funk All-Stars as a touring guitarist. It was on stage there playing with Mike Hampton, playing with Gary Scheider, playing with Billy Bass Nelson. Andre Fox, uh, Eddie Hazel used to stay at his apartment over the course of four years. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. That's incredible. And... Andre, he's been on a lot of stuff. So, for example, George Clinton's solo albums, like You Should Nut Bit Fish, a title I still don't understand, by the way. Yeah. Uh, R&B Skeletons in the Closet. Uh, That's the one I think that's got fries come with that shake. Right. Do fries come with that shake? Uh, He was on that album with uh, George Clinton's little brother, Jimmy G. Jimmy G and the Tack Heads. That's a great album. Yeah, it is. And then he was also part of Incorporated Thang Band with the Lifestyles of the Roach, Lifestyles of the Roach and Famous, great title. And those all came out in the 80s. Sweet. Uh, in the early 90s, Andre Fox did an amazing, very underrated and very hard to get solo joint that was only released in Japan. That's called I'm Funk and I'm Proud. And that album is great. It's got everybody on it, you know. Yeah, Lies Curry, Steve Boyd, Mike Clip Payne, Peanut Johnson, Gary Scheider, Mike Hampton, even Bootsy Collins on that Jay Stone. Wow. And then he re-released some of that material with some other stuff on a label run by Michael Clip Payne and had this uh, release called The Fox Files, a dossier on sex and animals. <laughs> and then he even has his latest song with his group Psychedelic Ghetto Pimps, mm-hmm. Shake That Funky Booty. Um, he also did a lot of other kind of random work, which is really cool. Uh, was also on that Freaky Styley album by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. He even plays on Segway music for The Simpsons and Tracy Ullman's show, Jay Stone. He even played on the House Party soundtrack <laughs> and Good Burger soundtrack. There you go. With uh, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone. That's what's up. Um, we got this guest, of course, you could have guessed uh, by JW, J. Stone. Mm. JW, he's our man. He's our, coming through. One of our main segment producers gets us these great guests from all his friends. JW, go back and listen to episode five. 
Episode five is still one of our top episodes. Nice. I'd say maybe even the most listened to episode so far. Wow. Episode five is with JW, uh, ex-drummer for Parlette, who's also gotten us our current guest. With, uh, so listen to this episode, listen to this interview with Andre Fox. We had a great talk. We talked about everything Jay Stone, what kind of equipment he uses, his experiences on the road, good and bad, right. all the recording sessions, and his perspective on that. It was a great discussion. Um, I'm really excited about who's coming on the show in the future, Jay Stone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just talked to another guest that uh, JW got us uh, today. Drum Gra- roll. Grady. <laughs> Shady Grady Thomas. Yes. For all you uh, uninitiated, if you see um, basically any stage of George Clinton, from the early, early, early OG days to the latter days, right? you see a cat, he's always got some sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. He's got a big beard, and he wears like an Egyptian, uh, like a pharaoh. Yeah, yeah pharaoh And hat. like a purple shirt or yeah, something like, like this. Yeah, yeah, and it's usually purple. Yeah. And uh, I talked to him on the phone. He was driving. Wow. And I'm pretty sure, I think he's got to be 80 years old, How man. is his voice? <laughs> How does his voice sound when he's driving? Is it, is it sounded like, fine. Dude. I mean, he wanted to get off the phone. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he was driving, man, but he nice. was cool. Um, he, he he liked me because it was my first time talking to him. Word. I mentioned the um, Who's a Funkadelic album to him. Uh-huh. So he, he liked that. Okay. And then I was also talking to him about the original P, the group uh-huh. that uh, everybody but George had for a while, because I right. went to see him. My friend Peter Pizarzik is in that group, original mm-hmm. P. Okay. Uh, anyway, Shady Grady Thomas will be on the show. I can't Dope. wait. Before that, though, and I also talked to him today, Jay Stone, okay. Marshall Thompson from The Shy Lights, Bam. and he's going to be on the show, so I got to do my homework. I got his memoir, nice, and I will be reading that. So coming on the show, we got Grady Thomas and Marshall Thompson. Uh, we got aced out t-shirts, Jay Stone. I'm wearing mine right here. Got my swag. Um, you guys can order your own Aced Out t-shirts. It's the logo Aced Out on a nice black t-shirt. Yep. Um, go get yourself one at acedoutpodcast.com. We're going to have some giveaways so we can give away some free shirts. I Shout like the face, dude. It reminds me of, you know how they depict Canadians on South Park? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like that. Yeah, totally, totally. That's what dope. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Our Canadian fans will like that. Uh, I was going to say shout out to uh, Debbie JJ for helping make that order. Sweet. And my friend Mark McGuinn for modeling a shirt for the website. Niceness. Um, we got the shirts. I looked through the box. Um, I just got them today. I just picked them up today. Okay. And I was looking through it, and I didn't see any smalls. I'm like, Where the, where's the smalls? And my boy Scott, that's where the shirts got shipped to. He's like, I didn't see any smalls. And I'm looking through the boxes. Yeah. They sent me, like, instead of smalls, they sent me triple XLs. Damn. <laughs> For the big boys. I was like, you know what? I don't know how popular we are in Samoa right now, <laughs> but we better start marketing there. You know? And if you're a, a larger person out there, if you're a WWE wrestler, if you're a sumo wrestler, mm-hmm. if you're a member of the Avengers, right? we got shirts for you. There you go. We don't discriminate. The Hulk. And all you small people out there, we got you hooked up. We, we got the small shirts coming. Don't you worry about it. But anyway, 
We're really proud about it. We're also proud of Funkonauts.com. You just relaunched the website, right, Jay Stone, yes, for the Funkonauts? Yeah, man. I think we're going to make a big splash with that in the, uh, the video we're going to be doing pretty soon. And Oh, yeah. We're whatnot. doing a video shoot. We're going to shoot two videos in about a month, right? What yes. song is we going to do? We're going to do I Can Never Be in Planet Funk. Oh, we so our, our media presence getting stronger. Yes, got to make that big splash. Things about to open up. We want to get back to work just like everybody else. Right on, right on. Yeah. Um, our last episode was great. Jay Stone, episode 18, which Richard Segovia, uh-huh. Richard, the mayor of the mission in San Francisco, owner of Casa Bandito, to great timbali player, going all the way back to the roots of Latin rock, starting with the aliens through Santana up until today. He plays yeah. in Puro Bandito. We had a great interview with him, and you know, he's always, uh, you know, people always say, like, you know, we're going to get together, we're going to jam, we're going to hook up, all that stuff. And right. yeah, cool, we'll hook up. But he really followed through on that. Oh, big time. And he had us come to his casa with less than two weeks after we recorded that interview. Mm-hmm. We are, And we performed with him, Jay Stone. Yeah. Awesome. In, his, in his backyard. That was fantastic. It was like a multi-camera shoot. Yeah. We played for a little crowd. Our keyboard player wasn't anybody special. It was just the original keyboard player for Malo. Mm-hmm. It was Irish. Ishmael Versoza, who's a real, real cool cat. I liked him a lot. No doubt. And he had a cool rapport. So the band, it was Richard. He played the drums and he did vocals. Jay and I, you know, we did our thing, bass and guitar. We even did a Funkonauts tune, Jay Stone. Yeah, that we was did. amazing. And you know what was so cool? Those guys with the history they have, right. that they were so open and they were, you know, listening to us and what we wanted to play too. That right. was so. It wasn't like just charitable. It was just like it was what they wanted to do. They wanted yeah. to make music with us instead of just being condescending. Uh-huh. Kind of like what Andre Fox was talking about. Instead of being too big, like they're just being real straight up and yeah. it, you know down to earth. Yeah, and Irish wasn't even. He was. He was still cool with me even when I was fucking up that uh, that one song. The Sheila Cruz tune. He wasn't. You know. He was even cool with me on that. <laughs> He's all. You didn't listen to it. <laughs> but it was cool. He talked me through it. That was a great experience, and we're going to have a lot more stuff going on with Richard in the future. Yes, sir. Including a performance in La Raza Park on October 16th. Yep. And we'll tell you more about that coming up real soon. Um, We're back here in Nick's studio, Offhand Records, the Blue Room, whatever you want to call it. Nick's still here making money. It's really great to see him. Our cool show is thing. brought to you by Three Charts and Scott Shepard. Shout out to them, too. Yep, yep. Thank you to all of our listeners in San Francisco and the United Kingdom in Hollywood, Florida, Jay Stone. <laughs> our listeners in Columbus, Ohio. Word. Uh, Austin, Texas, Patterson, New Jersey, Chicago, mm-hmm. Ohio, L.A., Vancouver. Vancouver. Wow. <laughs> That's when you take an Uber to get to Vancouver. You call it Vancouver. <laughs> uh, Pennsylvania. Everywhere, man. Senegal, Japan. Yeah. Wow. Stretch it out. Stretching out all over the place. Tentacles going all over. You can listen to us on Stitcher. Listen to Aced Out Podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Overcast. 
but you gotta listen to us at where Jay Stone AcedOutPodcast.com. That's A-C-E-D-O-U-T P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. I can't wait anymore. I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> Let's get to this interview with Andre Foss, because the brothers got a lot to say and we want to hear it. Um, to get into this interview, I thought it'd be cool to do a song. Um, this is called Quickie by George Clinton with quotes around it. But as we found out, it really started more with Junie and Andre. This is a song called Quickie. And on the other side, we're going to talk to Andre. Oh! 
to be here with Andre Fox. And coming in after, hey, hey, coming hey. in right about there, uh, Blackbird uh, McKnight comes in right about there. And you did that tune with Junie, right? Junie Morrison? That, that's, that's actually correct. Yes. And, and I think, um, I don't know if you told me if I read it somewhere in some other interview you did. You made a remark that uh, Junie, he was really cool to you. You know what I mean? He didn't talk to you like an underling and stuff. Is that right? Yeah, uh, uh, Junie actually... Uh, that was the first time that we had to work together on a one-on-one basis. On that song? And, uh, on that particular song, yes. And at that point, you know, I was already freaked out about working with him because I knew he was one of those genius-type cats. Right. And uh, I remember picking him up from the airport and bringing him, uh, you know, to the studio. And we got to work, and he was just a real down-to-earth nice dude, period. Nice. And, yeah, real cool. And then how how did the tune come together? Because I know you're a, you're a writer on this tune. So who who came up with what first, or how did you uh, how did you make the funky stew together? How how that thing happened, man? We uh, were uh, working on that tune actually before George Clinton even got that song right uh, here in Detroit. And uh, it was a group of uh, of a couple of guys who called ourselves Dangerfield at the time. And we were messing around with different ideas. And this cat named Ron Ford. Yeah, was, yeah uh, we know Ron Ford. We heard, yeah, we heard him. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, he came back to one of the rehearsals. And uh, he heard the groove. And he was like, hey, man, you know, you might want to let George hear that. And mm-hmm. uh, we went back and forth for a couple of months, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, we decided, okay, we'll let George hear it. And the next thing you know, George wanted to use the tune. And by that time, we had already written everything. You know, the tune was finished. But he still wanted to do it, you know. So we worked a little deal out, and uh, it ended up in his possession. <laughs> now, when when you say you went back and forth for a couple of months, like, what's the process there? Would would it be something that might wind up on Junie's album, your own album, or you just didn't want to give it up, or? No, okay, okay. We we talking about back then. We was in Detroit, mm-hmm. and uh, it was it was it was it was rough back in the early '80s. So basically, George Clinton wanted to buy the songs from us, and we had to haggle on how we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I mean? Because oh. it was a couple of it was a couple of different writers. Yeah. Other than myself, it was a couple of different people, you know, that had a little bit to say about that. Right. You know, and, you know, back then things were interesting, you know, you might get money, you might not, you know, <laughs> so we were, we were, we were making sure that it was going to happen, you know, as close to the way that we wanted it as possible. And, uh, right. you okay. Know, I understand. Like, you it, was, it was other people, it was other people involved and, you know, finally, you know, the right, the right deal you know, came up and, you know, George Clinton was pretty persuasive. You know, he's a cunning yeah. kind of dude, yeah. you know, and, you know, knowing that he wanted it, uh, you know, it, it, that was a thrill for us and myself, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even though I was already working with this cat. Yeah. But, sure. you know, and he wanted, you know, he would do something like that, you know, okay, we jumped for it, you know, and there it is. You must have been like, what, 22 or something? Or... Yeah, I was a, I was a young buck back right. then. Yeah, man. So wow. you must yeah, have been. Man. Yeah, so that's a trip, man. That's actually a trip that you would be wise enough to even haggle on it. You know, at that age, usually you just go, like, you know, just give it up. Um, and and by the way, you you talked to Junie just a couple months before he passed, right? So uh, oh, yes, 
Yes. You talked to him on the phone. Uh, how how was that conversation? Do you remember? Uh, it was very short, very very brief, and very short. I was actually doing a session uh, with my boy Amp Fiddler. Amp Fiddler, uh, right? Yeah, him and Junie were. You know, we were all cool. I think Junie might have called him. They were talking about something, and Amp said, "Hey, Junie Dre is here." You know, and we say, hey, how you doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. It's well, how's your family? And everything's good. Mm. And that was kind of basically that. You know what I mean? But he was definitely into wanting to make sure that he spoke to me. You know, and, uh, you really? know, like I said, it wasn't a very long, in-depth conversation. You know what I mean? But it was enough to let me know that uh, we were still on, you know. I'm the one. I'm a, I love Tightrope from his solo, and I just love Ecstasy, man, when he was in the Ohio Players. You mentioned Amp Fiddler. I don't want to breeze past that. How, how uh, far back do you guys go, Amp Fiddler? Man, I've been knowing Amp Fiddler since, shit, since I was like 14 years old or something. Wow. Wow. We go way, 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 way back. I, uh, you know, I was uh, a little instrumental in, and get bringing him aboard. This whole P-Funk ride, you know, we played together, him and his brothers. You know, we, we used to jam together. And uh, 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 that was that. But Blackbird and I worked together on on, on George Clinton things well, way before Quickie. Mm. Like I said, I was, I was a vocalist as well. So, uh, matter of fact, they didn't really know that I played guitar. And, you know, it was, a, it was, it was kind of a... a, 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 a a hidden talent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Even though I had played on Trey Lude's album, uh, George's Sons and stuff, but I don't think they were really paying attention yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, you okay, so I mean? let's, because I want to talk about I really all your solo stuff, even uh, even some of your latest releases, and go through your whole career. But okay, let's unpack that for a second. So, um by the way, who were your influences when you first started playing? When did you first start picking up instruments? Holy bananas. Um, I had to be about eight or nine or something like that. Wow. I, I, I started out playing drums. Right. And and uh, my dad was a heavy jazz cat. And it was a lot of Carlos Santana in my house. Wow. It was a lot of Jimi Hendrix in my house. It was a big group called the Soulful Strings. There was a lot of uh, Hugh Matakela in my house, uh, a lot of Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was a jazz jazz dude. But what really freaked me out about my dad, uh, he used to sit up and listen to these old Western war albums, like the, the battle, like a battlefield album. A battlefield like album? Cannons, cannons going off. Yeah, like, that's what I was going to ask you. you like know? a soundtrack to the to a movie? No, so, like... like it wouldn't even be a movie, man. Just I the can't guns explain and shit. it, but it was like it was <laughs> fucking these fuckers was blowing each other up. And I was, I was always say, Dad, where's where's the music at? He's like, You don't hear it? Uh well, he said, right you don't then, hear it? I knew I wanted to play bass. I'm like, because something is wrong with this cat. <laughs> was he in the army or in the navy or anything? Was he in the service? Yeah, yeah, he was in the Korean War. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So he heard yeah. the, he heard the music in that, huh? That's a trip. Yeah. And then he turned me on to Jimmy. Hendrix, right uh-huh. around there. Right, right. right. But, but here, here's something funny about that, guys. While he was turning me on to Jimi Hendrix, I got influenced by this cat, Jermaine Jackson in the Jackson 5. Yeah. The bass player. <laughs> right. Really? You're influenced you know, by Jermaine? Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I, I was like, dang, he used to, I thought he was the coolest cat in that group, you know? Yeah, he was. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to be a bass player after that. And I, I didn't really pick up the guitar until I was 19, 19 or 20. Wow. Is that, oh, is that yeah. really true? Not till 19 or 20? I didn't realize that. Jermaine, yeah. That, he was, that's really true. He was the yeah. first one to go solo, actually, Jermaine. Jermaine was tight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that dude, that cat. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, man. Wow. So, okay. So, I'm around, correct me if I'm wrong. So, I guess around like 78 or so, you're like a teenager. You wind up, what were you, just around United Sound? I know you wound up uh, ultimately being like a, a driver for different cats in the group. So, how did you get into the entourage or how did you get in? Were you recording there already or what were you doing? <laughs> I was, uh, Okay, true story. Uh, a high school mate of mine was friends with someone in one of George's other groups, this group called the Parlette. Uh-huh. Yeah, we know. And he was always bragging, you know. So I, uh, real talk, I was on my way to work. Because uh, my mother told me, if you drop out of high school, you better have a job. Right. You know, you know that bad, because I then went up into the GED. But to make a long story short, he knew these people. So there was a funk festival in 1979. At, uh, it was called the Pontiac Silverdome, I think. This cat called me up with no cell phones back then, or beepers, you know, right. the old dial phone. Right, right. And said, hey, you know, I need a ride to the um, uh, to the Pontiac Silverdome because George Clinton, Rick James, all these people playing. And I was like, I don't mm. believe anything you're saying. But okay. So I'm going to pick this dude up. When it met Ray Davis and uh, Jessica Cleves, wow. uh, uh, Shirley Hayden, uh, Sheila uh, uh, Sheila Horn, uh-huh. and uh, they were waiting on their damn limo to come. And man, uh, uh, the limo didn't come. So Ray Davis and a couple of them jumped in my little yellow duster, <laughs> Pontiac Dodge uh, duster, whatever it was, and I drove these cats out to the Pontiac Silverdome to where their concert was. We, this is a true story. Uh, 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 wow. uh, they, we pulled up in the parking lot, and there was all like a gang of limousines just sitting there. Damn. So I remember Ray, Ray Davis saying, them, them the cars we've been waiting for. We literally jumped out of my little raggedy duster, <laughs> yeah. walked, walked over to the limousines, got in the limousines now. And drove around, drove around the building, and jumped out their limousines. Like this is the truth, man. Wow! And right then, right then, I was like, something's wrong with this picture. But okay, so this very, this very day, very day, uh, my friend disappeared. You know, Ellen disappeared. They, you know, they're doing their thing. I'm walking down this little hallway. I hear this music playing behind this door. It wasn't marked or anything. So I'm inquisitive. I'm by myself. I open the door and walk in. It was George Clinton and Boosie Collins listening to a song called Knee Deep. Shit. Uh, that they were working on at the time. Wow. Now, and how I old are you? In. How old they, are you? They look... Pardon me? How old are you, Andre? At that time. At this point, I'm I'm 18 at this time. Cool. Go ahead. Sorry. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So I walk in. Shut the door. They didn't say anything to me. You know, I'm dressed kind of crazy already. It was a little young fella uh, there. Uh, and I walked over to this little young dude. I said, what you doing in here? And he goes, that's my dad right there. And I was like, hey, it's your dad. You know, he goes, he go, what are you doing in here? I go, I just heard that music. 
you know, the music sounded good. Yeah. And I had some weed in my pocket. And I said, you want to smoke a joint? <laughs> and we stood there and smoked a joint. George and Pussy stood right there and looked at us. Didn't say anything to me. Wow. Uh, Tracy is his name. Trey Lou. Yeah, right. Trey Lou. Uh, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said, he said, listen to this part. He sang this part in my ear. He said, you want to go on stage and, and sing this part on Flashlight? I was oh. like, you got to be kidding, little dude. What? He goes, no, my dad's <laughs> going to let me. Do you know that very night I was on stage singing this part with Trey Lude wow. on this Flashlight song? Wow. That's the first day I met these guys. That's okay. crazy. That's crazy. And then it gets better from there. Go ahead. It's better. So when it's time to split, them guys don't need to ride back with me. You know, they, they got their memos or not. They, they doing their thing. Right. You know, so, okay, cool. Bon Voyage, farewell. And all this type stuff. Uh, I, me and my man split, going home. About a week and a half later, there was a thing in Detroit, the Hart Plaza, where they had these ethnic festivals. Uh, so me and this girl I was kicking it with at the time in high school, we were just hanging out. Wouldn't you know, Michael Clip Payne and this other dude named Jerome Rogers were walking through the plaza and said, Hey, we just saw you at our concert. Uh, and right, I was right. like, yeah, <laughs> I just saw you with your concert. What the hell? And, uh, dude said, man, we need a ride home. Oh shit. I said, you need a ride home. You fuck the other to get in my car uh, again, the same old raggedy yellow duster. Let's go. I took them guys home, man. Uh, gave Clip Payne my number, and he started calling me to pick him up to take him to United Sound. Oh, okay. Okay. Got you. Uh -huh. So I, I, I would take him to United Sound. This is where I actually met George personally, and this cat, Ron Dunbar, who was running his company. Yeah, we know who Ron and, Dunbar uh, is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Ron, Ron Dunbar. He's actually the guy who actually taught me how to write songs. We'll get to that later. Okay. But uh, so um, going back and forth, Delivering the clip to the studio, uh, Gary Scheider ended up getting my phone number. What? And and, and called me. I was like, uh, I clip said you, you know, you would give us a ride around. So I did that for like maybe two weeks or so. And I had a job. I had a regular job. I say my mother made sure I had a job. I said, let's get the hell out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So so Ron Dunbar walked over to me one day and said, you know, George and I want to offer you a job. Uh, you know, picking the guys up from the airport and driving around, you know, you seem pretty trustworthy and, you know, you're pretty competent and, pre you know, pretty on time. And, you know, I said, well, I got a job, you know. Right. You know well, you know, it's up to you. So I, I called my job the next day and quit. <laughs> and, uh, and then I started driving for being George Clinton's uh, driver. And what right. did your mom you do? Know? What did your mom do? Oh, uh, she freaked. <laughs> so, oh yeah she freaked yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but she, you know she she warmed up to it after you did, know did you tell her right I away actually, did you, you know, did i you... wasn't staying in her house anymore so what oh, the okay. fuck is she gonna say oh, okay gotcha you know? gotcha <laughs> so how long how long how long from then until, like, say you start doing a band because you had a band with Treylude, right? The Plastic Brain Slam, and uh, right now but, this is that yeah. same year, this same year. Gotcha. Because Tracy had he was already recording uh, with with his band, the Treylude Plastic Brain Slam. Okay. When when his when his dad put me and him together, because we're roughly the same age, 
you know, he's a couple years younger than I. Right. You know, we started hanging out, and then they flew, you know, his band came to Detroit. I already was in a band, you know, I already had a band, but they didn't know that. Right. You know what I mean? So when I started hanging out with him, he was like, man, I would really like you to be in the band. You know, he heard me playing bass. And he said, man, but I got, he had two bass players at the time. He go, I really need a guitar player. You know, you learn how to play guitar, you know, I think we, I think you would fit. So mm-hmm. r- right around that time, uh, we, uh, Went and bought some the shit called mescaline with acid, which is called mescaline. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. So me and me and Trey Lou, you know, George didn't know, you know, we, we, we went ahead and, you know, did way too much of that stuff <laughs> and uh and scared the shit out of George. You what know, do you mean? he was like, What you what you give my son? I'm like, shit, he was more greedier than me. We we high, we tripping. And George was like, Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. So he took Tracy he took Tracy <laughs> and then made, took Tracy back to his pad and sent me home with Gary Scheider and his wife Linda back to the hotel. Wow! Now, now, because I'm still the driver, you know what I mean? That's my, still my damn gig. You know, no matter if I'm tripping or not, that's still my gig. <laughs> yeah, right. So I took them back to the hotel and I said, Gary, Tracy told me if I learn how to play the guitar, I could be in the band. Gary was like, Well, you 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 have acid and tripping and whatever y'all done took. You go, here's a guitar. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> I sat there and tripped all night. Fucking with the guitar. <laughs> and the, the, the next day, I was a guitar player. Wow. <laughs> That's yes. such a crazy story, man. And by the way, uh, Jay Stone, uh, Steve Parnell, he was in this band. Uh, we know Steve. Steve he, Parnell yeah, was he, in my band. Stevie was in the band with us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's he's yeah. around here now. We we actually know him. Yeah. Uh, so and so Steve was yeah. in that. Who else? Uh, let's see. Tony Davis on drums. Uh, yeah. Daryl on bass. Daryl Clinton. Daryl uh, Caddy Walker. Ah. Daryl Miller. This other guy, Daryl Miller, was. A, we had two bass players. Daryl Miller. Oh, okay. So he's uh, on bass too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Daryl Miller on bass. Stevie Pennell on bass. Trey Lude on guitar and vocals. His brother Daryl on uh, guitar, bass, vocals, depending on when Daryl is around, and they hired me to play guitar. Patty Walker was a vocalist. Tony LaFoot Davis on drums, and we was going back and forth with with keyboard players. It was going to be Jerome Rogers, mm-hmm. then it was going to be David Bradley. Then the, when the production started happening, it was like whoever did the tracks, you know what I mean? Right. It, 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 it kind of spun out of control. You and, said it was about uh, a year. It lasted about a year. That particular that particular thing, maybe a year and a half, because George Clinton said uh, that combination of young fellas had too much energy to be in one room. <laughs> I never knew what the hell that meant, you know. But okay, <laughs> but then Trey Lou Trey Lou started spinning out of control. You know, he started doing crazy shit like taking the shit behind the televisions and hotel rooms. Uh. And <laughs> yeah. He was he had the shit fetish or something, putting taping shit in his guitars and See I can't believe you know, that. You, you told know. so he really was lewd. So like <laughs> he was she was he was three times nasty this dude. And I think <laughs> I think <laughs> uh a lot of his actions and antics, you know, you know, being being a wild kid, kinda kinda was our, our downfall. Yeah. You know. Because 
Gotcha. Whatever he did, as talented as he was and is, whatever he did was a reflection on 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 his band. Right. And when his band wasn't in Detroit, me being in Detroit, and just me and him rolling, and what Stevie Pinnell would hang, you know what I mean? It was like you little, you little, you all, you guys are like, no, it's that dude. What are you talking about? It's one dude, mm, right? You know, like, you know, but right. you know, Trailer was bigger than life, man. He was George Clinton's boy. You know wow. what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it once to some people it was cute, and it and it had a little fancy fancy uh, 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 vibe about it. But to a lot of mugs, it's like, I nobody want to be around you mugs. Right. You know, right. get the hell out of here. So that, the camera was a short-lived trailude experience, even though uh, we end up still doing another trailude album, Drop the Line, a few years down the road. Right. With, uh, you know, with, you know, with George's, with uh, musicians and vocalists, myself. And I was, I was still fortunate enough to write uh, some stuff on that. Yeah, you were a lot like, of the stuff uh, we did on that earlier. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to mention one, like a duck and cover. Uh, one of the yes, I wrote that. I wrote the track to that. Yeah, got you, man. Yeah, that's that's so funny because like it was like you're guilty by association, <laughs> but uh, also that's such an amazing story. Like the whole thing that you just told because you're in your little car. So you're probably like tripping because all these funk stars around you, but still you're probably like wondering like, why are they driving with me in my car? You know what I mean? So it's such a funny story. The whole perspective is is so funny. Um, Okay, well, dig this. It morphed from there. Because (laughs) after my little car wasn't big enough, George Clinton and Ron Dunbar gave me a van. Oh, no. (laughs) It gets better. It gets better. So now... Now I'm in this green van, you know, all you know, fucking delicate and picking up all these mugs. I'm, everybody that with that, that was in Parliament, Funkadelic, uh, from from like from uh, for in my experience from '79 to like '81, I drove around in this green van. Okay, Damn. and George and Ron Dumber also provided us with a band, little band house. So it was you know me, oh, wow. Tracy, Steve. And, you know, you know, certain other people like, uh, you know, Jeanette Washington, which stay over there, you know, is on the west side of Detroit, you know, because we well, actually because I don't want to say Tracy can't became too much. They didn't want us to have no hotels. That's what this dude, you know, <laughs> there wasn't no telling what, what was going to pop. Wow. <laughs> you know? So they stuck, they stuck us in a, in a little band house and that was a wrap. Right. <laughs> you know, so my little duster got parked, you know, and then then the the green van, you know, became the the chariot. Mm. <laughs> wow, man! Hey, check this out. I want to get into uh, a little bit more of that. Uh, first of all, let's let's listen to a little bit more music. Uh, Jay Stone and Andre. You know what song I really like off the Tackhead album, and I want to talk to you about this album is the song Lies. Um, I really dig that, man. Let's listen to a little snippet of it, and then I'm going to ask us some questions about this album. I'm talking about, you know, uh, Jay Stone, Jimmy G and the Tackheads. Okay. The Federation of Tackheads from, uh, we're going to say, 1985? Did that come out? Somewhere around in there. Yeah, yeah. This is a song called Lies. Let's listen to a little bit, and we'll talk to more Andre Fox on the other side. Uh, Yeah, listen to that riff. This has got the stone. 
You know that song, You Always Break My Heart, Keep Bringing Me Down, Jay Stone, mm-hmm. that album. Uh, what? How did that album come together? How, how did this, I don't know a lot about this project. As much as I love it, I don't know about a lot about this one. What's happening with that is, actually, I'm actually playing guitar on that song as well. With yeah, Nick man. That's, uh, that's why I chose um, it, man. Yeah, I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I, uh, 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 Jimmy G, George's little brother, I guess um, bugged George enough to, uh, to cut a record on him. And here, here's another guy around the same age as I. So Jimmy G hit to oh, Detroit. Oh, he's that young? And yes. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. And gets to Detroit. He's here again, hanging with me. Right. And my band, my right. band, my, uh, my drummer from my band, Dean Raglan, is playing there as well. And uh, with my band at the time. So we're all hanging out together, you know, getting to know Jimmy and, you know, uh, you know, uh, George was definitely telling them we're going to finish this project on you. So he sent Jimmy, myself, a couple other cats in the studio uh, to see what we come out with. As a matter of fact, that was the very first thing that Jimmy cut that song, Lies. Oh, really? Okay. And, uh, yeah, that was the very one that I think convinced George to go ahead and let's run with this. Mm-hmm. And um, I had... Uh, being the nice guy that I was, you know, little girl that I used to date, Yolanda, you know, I ended up introducing her to Jimmy because he was bored and lonely. Me and her were still cool. Make a long story short, him and her started kicking it. And next thing you know, all the songs was coming out about this crazy crowd. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so a lot of that stuff is, you know, <laughs> got some other kind of vibe. And we actually we actually recorded a song called Yolanda for this project, but it never came out. Wow. That's a whole darker story. But uh, all of those songs uh, for that, uh, it was a it was a collaborative effort. George, you know, George it was George's production, so he had all you know, a bunch of different writers already. Mm. in line to do to you know to, to you know to help Jimmy with that stuff. And I and the, and the sad thing about that album, as much work as I put in on there, I co wrote I Want Your Daughter, a couple great other songs. That's a great there. song, I Want Your Daughter. It's like the and, time. And then and then my name ain't on it anywhere. Mm. You know? That was that was a common theme. You know, I don't even think I got credit on the Jimmy G and the Tackheads record now, at all. Now, why would that be? Why would that be? 
Like not even a little bit of credit. Well, um, okay, Jimmy was mad at the girl that I hooked him up with, so he might have been taking that shit out on me. Uh-huh. Didn't, put, put my name on, didn't put my name on nothing. But, you know, there's a lot of other a lot of other things at play at that time. You know what I mean? You know, I don't I don't want to go go crazy, but, you know, it was a whole bunch of stuff getting stolen, ripped off. Mm-hmm. You dig what I'm saying? You know, whatever. You know, going through going through those motions. Now I will go I'll be I'll be not not to be Sir knows, I'll say it might have been a a, 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 a type error. Might have been a, <laughs> a you know, a clerical error. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, you know, I'm just gonna say, you know, it just forgot to put my name on it. Right. Okay. So was that only a you studio know. album? It didn't like wasn't like a tour or anything or was there any shows on that album? It or wasn't a band? That, it was never a band. Yeah, it was never it was a band. It was never really a band. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a band in the sense of sitting up, plugging up, and having rehearsal. And you yeah. know, it's, it's a group. It was a it was a George Clinton project that his brother fronted. And uh, I, I always thought it was a good record. You know, it was, yeah, it was it's great. Thing, I really, I, it, it, great songs. Yeah, it just it just was to me it was never really meant to be a band. And by the time um, um, we. Got off for of Capitol Records. When I say we, I never signed a contract with these guys. I, you know, I was just, just a musician for hires like everybody yeah. else. Mm. But by the time that particular project got off of Capitol and went to Warner Brothers, uh, then I was under the impression that it was going to be a band because then it morphed into the Incorporated Thing Band. Right, and the next and, the next album was Incorporated Thing Band. Right, right, right. Which I was the front guy now. Mm-hmm. You know, because Jimmy, Jimmy didn't want to deal with me. He was still mad about that girl and all. He was doing all kind of crazy shit. <laughs> and uh, I, I ended up, you know, using my band. This is where my guys came in. At. And and the girls, too. But at the same time, it was still a George Clinton production. And all of the songs, you know, that he wanted to use, he picked. He asked me a few questions. But, you know, he, you know, he had his writers. Mm-hmm. And you know the ones that that I did, which I felt more passionate about, that we should have used. You know, kind of went somewhere else, and you know, I got kind of freaked out, and I went and signed a deal with Don Davis over at United Sound and started recording my own stuff. You know, and you know, I was so I could be prepared for the what I knew was not going to happen with that particular project. Gotcha. Okay, no. so I want actually that's a good segue because I'm going to ask you. I was going to ask you about that uh, production deal with Don Davis. So maybe I have my times mixed up. I thought you got a deal with him even earlier than that before when you were younger. And you're right. You're 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 exactly right. You okay. are exactly right. You so, are exactly right. Let me talk about but that. So you were, I, we were talking about um, like maybe there were so. In those younger days, like maybe George would have some studio time booked, but they'd all be finished and maybe be some time left over, and you were kind of sneaking in some tracks and like doing some stuff. Well, they would call that the graveyard shift. That's what me and Tracy and Daryl, uh, he would let us go in. The graveyard That's where shift. Call, I can't, I can't stand it. Came along. That was supposed to be. A tune called "Personal Problems" was supposed to be for that Trailwood album. A uh, tune called Michelle, um, a bunch of things like that that we were doing at night when he would, you know, leave leave it open. Now, starting that particular template, as as things progressed, and I started recording 
on George's budget, not on Don Davis's budget, for George, mm-hmm. at night, I would go in myself and do some things. And he would hear it and go, oh, okay, we're on to something. But uh, I'm going to say from like 82, really, really 82, on up to 85, uh, is when I had my production deal uh, with Don. Still working with uh, still working with George now, right? But most of my uh, 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 pressure was being devoted on on my thing. Even though I used everybody in George's band along with my band, including Mr. Clinton himself. Nice. Wow. Go back. Hey, could you do that's how I got pizzazz. That's how I got that song pizzazz from oh, that's a, Bootsy. That's oh pizzazz. Yeah, that's a great song. So okay, so I felt I felt like you told me like at first when you were cutting some demos and doing some tracks, like maybe you're trying to show them to people, or maybe they're like kind of laughing at you or laughing it off, or you know not taking you seriously at first, but you persisted, right? And then finally people started going, "Oh, okay." Well, at that time you got to remember something. Everybody that came around uh, George's organization said they it was a songwriter. They could write. It was I never said any of that. So. When I started doing it, of course nobody took me serious. Hell, I just picked you up from the airport. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. What the hell are you talking about? Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, I got you. Right, so it's kind of for them to make the transition, the transition in their brain. Uh, yeah, they were a little confused at first, right? Well, not at first. That that per- persisted all the way through, even when. I got the job in the band when it was official that I was actually a member, a stage standing member. Mm. That's when I really started catching it. Mm. That's when things started to go a little left. Right. I remember you told me that. So, no, okay. So I got it backward. People were actually cooler with you when you were like, you know, quote unquote, the driver. But then when you started making moves, then people started getting upset. Correct. Mm. Correct. No. And when yeah. I decided to develop an image, you know, in that thing, you know, that set a few people back as well. But I thought image was half of the job. Right, you know? of course. You yeah. Know, no one ever said you wear this and you do that. You know, everything I did, I sat up and thought about and put into motion. Yeah, because you got to be funky, I, man. Yeah, I never got any resistance. I remember the first time, <laughs> this later on in my thing uh, with George, but I think the first time he saw me in that wedding gown, because I didn't tell nobody, you know, <laughs> I, I had to uh, get married and to my uh, ex-wife at the time, and my mother came up with that idea. To uh, and, put on uh, the wedding gra- gown as like a, a, outfit, a stage, stage outfit. outfit. Yeah, stage outfit, exactly, stage outfit. Saying, you know, hey, not only am I married, you know, and having a good time. I'm married to this funk thing, too, so why don't I celebrate it? Because I'm yeah. so happy and, you know, jovial and all this shit. Bad <laughs> move. Bad move. The first thing George Clinton said was, damn, you an ugly bitch. <laughs> <laughs> first thing he said to me. <laughs> and uh, uh, from there on, you know, you know, I just, I just got a little resistance from those guys, you know, you know, it was it was weird because it was that that particular thing was catchy. I did I did a few different costumes. You know, that kind of were cool, and I thought it was part of the gig. I didn't know it was creating animosity. 
Mm. And uh, yeah, how know, would you? I was bringing my AK. Right, you probably just figure that's part of the thing. So wait a second. So oh. I'm just curious. So when you say like when you get a production deal with Don Davis, we're talking about Don Davis, uh, Jay Stone, which mm. we all we talk about a lot on this show with yeah, United Sound in Detroit. Totally. Um, like yeah. when you have a production deal, like what does that mean? Like what does he want you to do, or what's the deal? What what's the offer? Is it like a weekly salary, or what is it? Here, here, here is here's what my deal was uh, back then. Um, all right, of course, I had to audition for him. I had to bring my band in and audition and all oh, this really? type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, at the very first meeting we had, all he wanted to do was hear the titles of my songs. Hmm. He didn't want to hear no music. He was just wanted to see the group, and he wanted to hear the titles hmm. of my tunes. So, you know, we talked, you know, touring the place, which I was already familiar with. You know, but he's showing the guys around. You know, he's like, Dre, I like the tunes, you know, the titles. Uh, me and my brother, his brother Willie. So we're going we're gonna to talk and we'll get back to you. So, you know, maybe maybe a week or so went by. He calls me, come on down, talk to me. Okay, we decided we're going to sign you to a production deal, which meant at that particular time, I had free reign at the studio. Ooh. Uh, we set up, you know, the, whatever the amount of time I needed, day and night, when he didn't have bigger clients, you know, like Aretha Franklin, Annie Lennox, uh, right. George Clinton, or uh, mm. Johnny Taylor, or whoever the heck was in that place. Mm-hmm. As long as wasn't any of those big cameras in, uh, I had free reign of the place. And also, he had a secondary building that was, it was called Groovesville Recording Studio. And also, the, the, per, the production deal I signed with, with was with Groovesville Productions. Okay. So that means that all of my studio bills are paid, the engineers are paid. Sure, he gave me a little bit of money, you know, wasn't nothing much to speak on, you right. know what I mean? Because it was more valuable for me to have the best studio in the United States in my back pocket, and I am teaching myself as I go. I had never recorded in the studio before. All I did was watch George Clinton and watch them guys and wow. took notes in my mind. So when it, when he cut me loose, I just imitated what I saw them do. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I did. And I never told nobody I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just acted like I did. <laughs> Andre, where do you, where does that come from? Where did you get that drive at such a young age to just kind of know I got to just kind of take this opportunity and act like I know and while I'm learning? I mean, you know what I mean? That sounds like a lot of discipline for somebody that age. Well, uh, I, I will say again, Coming from Detroit, um, ducking bullets, uh, uh, dealing with adult situations, um, right? Not wanting, not really wanting to have a job anymore. You know, <laughs> right. um, having a, a yearning, which I think my father put in me to to do music. You know, he told me, "Man, this is what you're going to do." So when I got the opportunity, guys, to sit there and watch these very talented people do this and, and were serious about it, were laughing and getting it done. And then I, I saw them like stop working on the song tonight. Okay, we're going home. Come back tomorrow and pick up right where they left off. Right. That I, I was like, how can they have such a great memory? I didn't know that everybody would take it home to set tapes and listening to them. Yeah. I didn't learn that part till later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but I'm thinking, wow, these guys are brilliant. I got to get my game up so I, I start strengthening my brain muscle 
because I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So to, 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 to drive, to actually be talented enough to be in the room with those cats, but also to be able to stand on my own and, yeah. you know, right. take the ridicule, but, but also take the, oh, shit, this guy's doing something. And each, and each, and this is the honest to God truth, each time I tried something, it worked. Right. So I set myself in the mindset that I could do anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I did. And I did. Wow, man, yeah. that that is amazing, man. And that sounds like wow, what a great ed- education, what a great time. Even though people are fucking with you a little bit, it sounds like it would just be such a great education. Tell you what, I want to listen to. Uh, I'm going to get off this album. I want to talk about other things, especially talk about um, the Funk and I'm Proud album. But I, I really like the song Family Funk. Let's listen to a little bit of that, some of that Jimmy G, and then I'm going to talk to more Andre on the other side. Yeah. Jay Stone, so we have... Yeah, that is a killer track. I love that song so much. (laughs) Uncle Otis! I was going to say to uh, my co-host here, our goal here, we need to popularize the credit of what Andre did. That's what our goal is, Jay Stone. So let's continue along that. So, for example, Andre Fox was instrumental in creating U.S. Custom Guard Dope Dogs. Mm. That's right? Isn't that right? Yeah, that was uh, uh, that was on the George Clinton album. He did a t- few different tracks, but the one that I did uh, had the hook, What You Gonna Do, George? What You Gonna Do? Yeah, oh, we that, knew that. that one. Do you and remember- then, uh, just to say, that song, that, uh, that, that, that Jimmy G was an excellent songwriter. That was a very talented dude. Oh, oh really. Oh, that, so you... He so could you, really write. So you say he was, he was a really good writer. He was an r- excellent writer. Wow, yes. okay. 
Nice. Yeah, he sounded. He yeah. sounds. He sounds. Sounds fantastic, man. Yeah, and he was an excellent bass player as well. He was a bassist. Really? Wow, that's yeah. great, man. Yeah. And then you also, um, you also came up with um, one of the people that came up with. Do fries come with that shake? Um, okay, that's another horror story. That's a disaster. That's a. That's a. That yeah. could have been a career changer for me, but for some reason I got hit. screwed. Mm. Now you got on that. You're the one you pulled in Amp Fiddler on that. Yes. Um, you I guess you taught him and Steve Washington the keyboard parts, right? Okay, this is this is how that story goes. Yeah, go ahead. This is a, another another late night at United Sound. I'm I'm still under contract with the Davis brothers, so I'm down the hall doing my thing. Steve Washington came down to my session and asked me to Hey, man, I want you to hear something. I said, well, what's going on? I told my engineer to take a break. I went down to Steve's session, and he had a backwards bass track and a drum track. And I said, well, what do you want me to do with this? And he goes, well, you know, him and his wife, Sheila, at the time. He goes, just listen to it and see what you come up with. So I stood there for a minute, thought about it. I said, well, here, man, this is what the bass should be doing. I played it, and then I said, no, you go ahead and play it, you know. It's your thing, but this is what we should be doing right here. Uh, I said, this is what the, I think the keyboard should be doing, but let me call my friend Amp down here so he can play it because he's a better keyboard player than me. Now, I could have executed both of them damn parts that were crucial on that record mm -hmm. myself. You know what I'm saying? But me being non-selfish and naive, <laughs> I go ahead and... Uh, create the parts, and the song starts coming together. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, George Clinton shows up. This is the truth. <laughs> this this guy shows up. Now, I don't work for him anymore. I'm not his driver anymore or none of that shit. Right. This guy shows up. Drake, why don't you run over to McDonald's and grab us something? <laughs> oh. <sighs> Say what? Me? Okay, man. You know. Right. You know, I still, you know, my engineer cool. You know, I just helped him out. It's cool. I come back. They singing, do fries, go with that shape. Mm. So I said, you know, I'm very instrumental in, in, in what you're listening to. Oh, man, we'll get to it. Oh, and you, we'll get you're to killing it. it, Steve. That's the best thing you ever did, man. And all that. And I'm like, but I'm the one that, you know, <laughs> next thing I know, they're not talking to me about it. I didn't get no money for that. Mm. Uh, I might have got keyboard credit uh, under Andre Williams on, yeah. on that. Yeah, I see that. They, and they played me. They played me totally out. Steve Washington looked the other way. My boy Amp didn't say shit. You know what I mean? Uh. They just played my ass. By the way, we had, yep. we had, I was just going to say, we had uh, Sheila on the show as a MUCA, like our second episode we interviewed, and she mentioned Steve. Mm -hmm. um, so you didn't, um, that sucks, man. That really sucks. Yeah, story. that was a, that was, that was a, that was a. And that was a video? You know. That was a music video? I mean, the whole nine. All of that. Yeah. All of that. I could, I, I was supposed to be a part of all of that, Damn. you know. And if I had all it was, it was have been as simple as this. If I had to just played the parts myself instead of saying, "Hey, this is how I go, you do this," and "Hey, this is how I go, right. you do this," right? It would have changed everything. 
But no, but that's... No, but I wasn't selfish. Right. Plus, that's good... As a producer, that's good thinking, because if you know somebody could play it a little better, you usually, you usually do that, right? It's just kind of a natural choice. Um, yeah, you want the best for the production, you know? Right. I didn't... I had no, no thought that they weren't... didn't have my best interest at heart at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And... And I'm gonna tell you the truth. I don't think they, I don't think George ever believed that I did it. I don't think any of them cats ever believed that I was the one responsible. Not saying 100, percent but I'm 40 percent responsible for that rhythm track. Mm. Did you give him the cheeseburger? Did you give him the cheeseburger, or whatever the fuck it was he wanted? I would have thrown that you shit. You know I did. You know I did. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it, it, it was already bought. <laughs> I, was, I was fantasizing you know, like maybe but, you ate but it or I, I was pissed I was pissed right. I was pissed as a matter of fact I went back down to my session and, 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 and just shut the door and went to sleep I didn't even work anymore so. oh man well let's talk about something uh, really good I really like the album uh, I'm Funk and I'm Proud your solo yeah. joint and that's a great album Jay Stone oh, yeah. uh, with a red album cover um, and that was released in Japan, and that's got a lot of people on it, right? Lions Curry, Steve Boyd, uh, Cliff. Everybody. Peanuts Everybody. on there. Shider, Shirley Hayden, Paul Hill, Star Colors, Mike Hampton. Everybody. Wow. That has that song you mentioned before, Pizzazz with, G, uh, with George Clinton and Bootsy. Bootsy, yeah. Uh, you even have that one tune with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, now, th- this is another freak out. This is another freak out. <laughs> Here again, I'm at United Sound doing yeah. my project. The, the, the Peppers come in town and we'll work with George through the Freaky Styley album. Right, right, right. right. They, they come they come in, they hanging out, they waiting on George to get to the studio or whatever. I said, hey, why don't you guys come down here and let me play something for y'all. So I played that little reputation rip. I said, hey, man, why don't you guys play on this with me? You know, since y'all here, it ain't going to take what, uh, one minute and 30 seconds. Right. You know, <laughs> taught them the part. You know, okay, cool. Next thing, okay, we do the do it. It ends up on my project, right? Right. Okay, I'm not thinking about it. You know, I'm, I think it was cool. Man, years later, it it, 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 it somehow it, it turns out to be the Red Hot Chili Peppers reputation produced by George Clinton. Uh, wow. Now George Clinton was he was never at the studio on that. He had nothing to do with that. Right. It's not even their song. I wrote the song. Jeez. And by, it's on my record right there. Yeah, it's you on You can the, look online right there. It's my shit. It's you know, listed. but for some reason, it ends up them. I think George Clinton had a habit of just taking my shit and doing what he wanted with it. Right. Damn. You know? And that's, by the way, you he's know? talking about refutation. And you that's when Hillel was still alive, right? Hillel Slovak. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hillel Slovak, yeah. yeah. And a Cliff Martin. And you said that was the first time Flea used uh, effect on his bass? He used my guitar players' uh, guitar effects on bass. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Why did the album... Yeah, my guy, Billy Parker. Yeah. That's uh, uh, You like that album, right? I mean, it's a great album with that. I love that album cover. Um, yes. Why did it come out in Japan only? Or what was the, what was behind the story behind that album? Was okay. that a Don Davis uh, production or you guys together? Yeah, well, okay. of course, he was an executive producer. He let me do what I wanted. Right. We, I, I had free reign. Right. Even when he was producing me, I still had free reign to do what I wanted. So, um, as those songs were being created, you know, George and his cats were coming through, and they wanted to be a part of it, and I wasn't going to say no. You right. know what I mean? And it was my 
stuff. It was all my songs. I didn't use anybody else's material. You know, it's amazing. so I was I was kind of pleased with that because at one point I was thinking, hey, if nothing ever happens with this, you know, I can always push this on a Parliament album because I got all them cats on it. Mm-hmm. You know, what happened was this: when I got finished with the project, uh, uh, George asked me something and something sort of like, you know, I had a little problem with Don of a little bit of money. Why don't you go in there and smooth it over for me? You know, and you know, telling me, you know, I got if I would have much the money was, I got this much, and blah 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 blah. So Don said, "Okay, all right, Dre." Tell him, you know, we'll we'll work with him. So George came in with that song called Pizzazz. Mm-hmm. Now that wasn't my song, you know. After all the work I did, Don Davis decided to let that song be the single, and the song called Black Beach of Mine be the B side. Mm. Well, of course, uh, well, of course. Uh, there was no machine uh, behind promotion with that. It was like, promote yourself. So I'm like, I'm promoting a song that ain't even me. Mm, right. You know? So I called George in, in L.A. He was doing something. This is around that same Friday school, that shaking all that mess. And I said, man, you know, why don't you help me get my record played? You know, it's kind of like your record. And he kind of, you know, was like, how dare you? I can't even get my stuff played. And you're asking me? And I, that was one of them all shit moments again. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's like, how do I keep running into brick walls with this that I love so much? You dig? So, yeah, um, after the song didn't do too much, Don decided, with Dre, you know, um, you know, you're going to have to go ahead and try to make a, you know, you got, you, we got the product, so you're going ahead and try to make a deal. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, now at the same time, I get hired in George's band. You know what I mean? This is before that stuff even came out. That stuff came out, you know, like years later. Oh, so it was completed. What year was that when you got hired for, uh, to be in the band? 1985. Okay. 19, even though I had been, you know, recording with him, studioing, you know, but that 1985 was my first uh, international tour. And, you know, being, being in the band with him, we went to some uh, rock class or something in Germany with the Chili Peppers. Mm. And, um, you know, that was a good time, but then we didn't tour anymore for a long time. And then they toured without me for a minute. And then I came back, uh, even though I was still recording for him, I came back in, uh, like 89, 90 or something like that. And when and you, then just, you know, assume the position, but to answer your question, why, yeah. why I came out in Japan, yeah. here's another one of them. Oh, what the hell moments, George Clinton and Don Davis made the deal without telling me. Mm. Don and George made the deal with Peavine Records and didn't tell me anything. I had to find out a whole nother way. So they they made it? Okay, go ahead. No, I'm just saying when the record was finished, because it had been sitting on the shelf. Yeah, right. It was fully finished. Right. You know what I mean? So when they decided to to license it it to Peavine, I guess they figured they didn't have to tell me. I wasn't in, on Don's label anymore. My contract was up. It was his material again. You feel me? Right. So they figured, you know, George had a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of material at United Sound, which he made a bunch of them George Clinton family series, all this stuff because that shit was sitting at United. Right. So I, I think that was a way for him to get his stuff back, pay Don Davis, and you know, whatever the hell. So I just caught that caught up in that shuffle. 
it wasn't until uh, going to Japan with George that I met the people at P-Mine, and they started dealing with me separately and gave me a completely separate deal. Mm. Oh, okay. When did you find out yeah. that your album was out, or what happened w- with it? <laughs> I'm going to tell you who told me. Y'all, y'all interviewed this fella, Joe Pep. Joe Pep, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah we know Joe. Yeah. <laughs> now, Joe Pep, uh, me and Joe Pep's daughter used to be tight. We had a child together. With it that's uh, uh, unfortunately passed away. I'm sorry but, to hear uh, that. Joe was sort of like my father-in-law, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because me and Phaedra was down. But Joe Pep said, hey, Trey Fox, you know they sold your album to Japan. And Shit. I go, no, they wouldn't do that. They would tell me before they did that. Right. He said, you better call Willie Davis, man, and, and talk to him. So I did better. I got on, I was living in California at the time. I got on the plane and flew back to Detroit mm. and uh, called him and said, hey, man, I want to come and see you. And I said, what did y'all do? And he told me. I said, well, you better break me off half of that money. He said, okay. <laughs> Wrote me a check and I left. Wow. All you had to do is find out about it and ask, huh? <laughs> yeah. Just showing up, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, so he, so he gave me the money and then that, that was the end of that. But that started my relationship with T-Vine. Because yeah, uh, that led to the, uh, that led to this uh, triple uh, uh, box set, the, the bass. Uh, bass player project. We did a Jimi Hendrix project uh, and a couple other things, which I was actually the A&R director. I actually oh. organized uh, the um, the uh, project. I picked the artist. Uh, Yoko Yamabe was my uh, immediate uh, contact there. And at one point, they were even, well, we were in discussion about doing P-Line USA, which I was going to head up. Wow. But, that, uh, that, wh- yeah, yeah, that never happened. What did the album covers look like? Because I think I had one of those. Was it a naked lady on the there with the, bass strings on yeah, it? Yeah, 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 Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the shit. That, My boy is on I'm there. I'm responsible for that shit. Robert yeah. Ball is on there from uh, Jimmy Jimmy Dright. Jimmy Dright submitted some tunes to yep. you, I guess. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robert Ball, he passed away. That, that dude, Larry Graham gave him his bass to play at Slim's. Amazing. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Rob was no joke. What was the Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix project you mentioned? That was uh, uh, Return of the Gypsy. Ah. And, and then it was one, the P-Funk Army. I don't know if that was a Jimi Hendrix one, but it was the one I was talking about is Return of the Gypsy, mm-hmm. where I had I had a couple of tracks on, and then we got that bass fair stuff with the naked ladies with the guitar strings on it. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> yeah, that was dope. Yeah. Hey, you know yeah. what? Um, you know what I love? By the way, do some of these tracks, did you put them, re-put them out on the Fox files? Uh, you got a, uh, a dust? Yes, now that, yeah. that, yes, absolutely right. Now that, that was my friend's label, Clip. Uh, oh, okay, on the that's Funk, Clip. On the Wee Funk label. Yeah, because that I'm you know I'm still I'm still in the touring band by then, and he was like, man, you know what, you know that, that you had a that was an interesting way that you, those songs came out, but do a licensing deal with me and I put them out in the states. And I say, well, yeah, we do it. Let's take a few of them off and try to repackage it. Which which in hindsight was a mistake. I should have put it out the exact same way. Right, you I know. got you. Yeah, I should have. But but you know, being in the moment. 
and, and knowing that it wasn't current and not really understanding how valuable that stuff was going to be like today. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just made some uh, immature uh, decisions, but it did come out on Cliff's label and that, and that, and that was cool. You know, it, 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 more people uh, heard it that wouldn't have heard it. And um, I actually, actually, someone is talking to me about re-releasing "I'm Fucking I'm Proud" on vinyl. Nice, right now. That would be great. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm really, really considering it. That would be fucking great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I was gonna say, I was gonna say is, I really like the tune. It's got a, just a great vibe, and I really like the production. Is uh, "Love's Party." Um, that song is oh, cool, yeah. man. Let's yeah. listen to a little bit of "Love's Party," and then we'll talk to more uh, Andre Fox. On the other side. Yeah, all right. song i've been singing that to myself a whole last week with throwing in a little marvin gay line in there too who's doing the vocals on that besides that, that, you that, that loud that loud screaming dude is actually my little brother eric all right on eric uh, <laughs> he sounds yeah good. yeah and, uh, that's me me and my brother 
uh, uh, Cat Matt Gunari. I think it's just us three. That yeah, is great, nice, man. man. I love that tune. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's this is something that really blows my mind. You and Amp, you played with Tony Allen, Jay Stone. Tony Allen from Filakuti. Oh, for, you know, from musical yeah. director and drummer. Uh, how did that come about? And you went to, uh, did you go to Nigeria for that? We 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 did a we did a a, a bunch of countries on that particular one. How that happened was, um, it was at the end of one of George Clinton tours, mm-hmm. and uh, Amp, Amp wasn't playing with uh, George at the time, at this particular time, and he reached out and was like, hey man, uh, one of my guitar players is not going to be able to do this European tour, why don't you come on roll with me? So I left George's tour at the end of it, and we took off and went to Paris first to rehearse. We rehearsed... Uh, for like maybe like eight days, but but it wasn't for Tony Allen, it was for Macy Gray. Oh right, Macy Gray, right, mm-hmm. right. It was for Macy Gray, and uh, it was a Macy Gray big band. But none of her pop hits, you know, was like say Macy Gray big band. Mm. So the oh. company that booked that uh, uh, was also uh, the company that was representing Tony Allen at the time. Now Amp and Tony had already done projects together and they had already planned this tour subsequent, uh, after we did the four to six weeks with Macy, they had, a, they had Tony Allen set up, you know, for another couple of months or whatever it was. So at the end of one of Macy Gray rehearsals, Amp's manager came over and said, Hey, uh, I've been talking to this, uh, choir, I mean, uh, band director guy and he wants to, you know, uh, hire you to play with Tony Allen too. And I said, really? So mm-hmm. I uh, immediately started having to learn that Afrobeat style, and <laughs> right. when and the, which was very difficult for me. And uh, did, the, did the Macy Gray, and then next thing you know, rolled right in, on over to Tony Allen. And that turned out to be one of the best gigs ever, because it was more challenging than mostly anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And Tony was just a real, genuine, cool dude. You know, just... Yeah. just just nice, professional, direct to the point, not condescending, not mm-hmm. never heard anything negative come out of that gentleman's mouth. Wow. Uh, always had a smile on his face, you know, just a nice, just a nice human being, just a real nice dude. And he respected me. As a matter of fact, before he passed away, uh, I recorded with him here in Detroit at Amp Fittler's studio. Mm. Oh, wow. Maybe a year, yeah, maybe a little under a year before he passed away, he was here. You know, he's like, Andre, I'm in Detroit. <laughs> you got me, man. You got me together, man. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I'll be, I'll be right there, dog. <laughs> no, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna ask you that. That's like a whole different animal. Like that seems like it'd have a lot more like tightness and discipline as far as like just rehearsing for it and getting it together. Like, how was that process for you? Um, you must have just loved it, you know, getting that challenge, getting sharp like that. Well, it was kind of well. If it had not been for me having the opportunity to do the uh, the Macy Gray tour with uh, David Murray uh, and all them cats, I would have probably been a little bit more intimidated. Right. But for after for coming from playing with a twenty eight piece orchestra to playing with wow. you know eight or nine of Tony's guys and learning where they were at, you know, it was a, it was a little bit challenging. You know, I'm not going to lie about it. 
But once once I got it and he was secure with my plan, it it, it was easy. But it, every day I was like, am I am I playing this thing right? Mm, right. You know, every day right. before I hit a stage with that guy, my stomach was in knots. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you know, that was a little of... bit more extreme, you know. But uh, I can remember, I can remember some nights getting ready to go on stage with uh, with uh, Mr. Clinton there, and just be like, just see like one person that might just look like they looked at me funny, and I'd be like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I don't want to go out there. <laughs> wow! I would work through it. I'd work through it. You no, know, I know but... what you mean. Right, right. <laughs> hey, let me ask you. You're on some interesting uh, recording project. You're on the Good Burger soundtrack. Oh man! Yeah, because we're doing do fries go with that shape. Yeah, uh, with Norwood, right? Norwood Fisher from Fishbone? Yeah, yeah, and he let me produce it because he know that I produced the original one. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> that movie's great, man. It's got that dude, he's on Sign Night Live now, Keenan yeah. Thompson. Uh, yeah. How, what is that process like? Is that like you're just doing like tunes and they throw them in the movie or do you like watch, you're like scoring it or how does that even, what was the well, soundtrack? Well, see, Norwood already, he, since that tune was already done and they, they, they came to Fishbone, well, it's actually his other group called Trulio Disgrace. Oh, yeah, Trulio, yeah. We yeah. on tour. Yeah, we was on tour with Trulio, with John Pashante, me, Norwood, and oh. uh, John Stewart, and uh, Vicky Calhoun. and mm-hmm. uh, Wow. A whole bunch of killers. The cast from Spearhead. I think Lonnie Marshall was out there. Wow. Mary Magdalene was out there. It was, it, was a, it, was, it was a bus full of, full of high-tech cats. So I think Northwood already had had the deal to redo the song. Now, see, they had them cats. You know, they got real high tech management. So I would I manage. I would have imagined that his management or whoever you know got got you know the song was placed, and they picked Norwood to do it. Mm. Now, uh, even though I uh, co-produced that thing with Norwood, guess who he flew in to play? Uh, who? Al Fiddler. <laughs> uh, there he is again. <laughs> Small world. And also, you did some stuff like some Tracy Ullman Simpson stuff too. It was also yeah, that was way long time ago. You know those little in between little parts. I don't know what you call them, little segues and right. yeah, right. Stuff so like that. right. So how does how does that work? Like you play a little like what what will you be playing for that? Like doing a segue, well, or who who runs that, or how does that work out? That's the you now. That was, if I'm not mistaken, that was the uh, that was uh, SAG SAG Astra, because mm. when we were doing that, uh, which I had never witnessed before, there was a a person walking around with this clicker who was counting every every part I played, how long I played it, how many oh. times I played it, and they pay you accordingly sure. for the screen actors. Uh, okay. Check this out. Wow. When I got that check, when I got that check, <laughs> I was like, oh, George, you cool, man. You never paid me like this. And, and then I found out he wasn't the one to pay me. Right, of course. Right, right, right. <laughs> Some of that TV money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that real TV bread. Wow. We've heard that story before where musicians be shocked by some TV money. Like, whoa, this yeah. is how you get paid, right? We've had, yeah. we've had people tell us it. that. Yeah, right. Hey, but I did tell them thank you. I mean, George is, you know, we've had sure. our differences over the years, man. But I love that dude. I really respect that cat. You know, you know, I might have stepped out of line and, you know, said one too many things that was actually on my heart. 
took because of what I was going through there. And it was a lot of terrible things, a lot of good things too. But in hindsight, the way I feel right now, you know, after, you know, I've said some bad things about the cat and sure he said some bad things about me too. But, Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I used to call it like a love hate relationship, but I I really realized I really loved the dude. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He was like dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, so you know, in, in families and relationships, you go back and forth with the parental figures. You know right. what I mean? And he's one of them cats. You know, and, and right, right now, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while, but you know, I feel differently. You know, I can see his uh, his worth to the world in the music industry. I get it now. Because he's a very valuable dude. He should be an American treasure, if you ask me, national treasure. Yeah, right. You because know, I go back and listen to that stuff, and I'm like, damn it, how could you be thinking like that? But, and, and, but they're just dead on, you know. So I, I kind of pattern a lot of my songwriting and stuff, in, you know, after that particular wisdom mindset, you know, mm-hmm. try to tell a story that makes some sense, you know, get a little bit goofy, but for the most part, listen to it later. Is actually trying to say something, you know. So I really credit him for that. With me. Nice. That's beautiful, man. And I know what you mean. It's like a process sometimes with people and your relationships over the years. For you, like you uh, have a certain perspective on it. But uh, you're you're a treasure too, Andre. Uh, Andre, you're a treasure as well. Oh, that's nice. That is so nice to even say. And uh, like you know, we we like you too. We like your music. And I want to take a breather in this interview and just sit back a little bit and listen to some of that uh, Psychedelic Ghetto Pimps. I know you got that song, okay. Shake That Funky Booty. That's a that's a title I can relate to. Uh, while, we, <laughs> <laughs> while we listen to that, and we'll talk to you some more on the other side. All right? Yes. All right. Yes. Shake That Funky Booty.
gonna shake that butt when did you record that man okay that's a interesting uh story on that track that bad boy went through some some phases uh believe it or not i actually cut the beginning rhythm tracks in tallahassee florida at george clinton studio really and and yes and um uh yeah that song went through a change and now at this point i was still in the band that that, that song was a, a I revitalized that track from like 45 years ago. And uh, I brought the, you know, brought the hard drive back with me. And I ended up taking it to another studio and completed, worked on it. Then I installed a studio in my house. <laughs> this is, this is the, the birth of that nation. <laughs> and uh, finished, finished the vocals and stuff here. And uh, I had a friend of mine, you know, do the mixing and mastering. But yeah, it started out at George Clinton's studio, made it, made it, made it through the rounds, Fittler's place, my place, Frank Giamarco's place, and uh, it ended up making the, making the new ghetto, well, that particular ghetto pimp type thing. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, it was just something to do. Yeah, man, you know? it's got that low end, man. Mm -hmm. I dig it. I'm that digging it. Nice. Hey, um. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. We appreciate that kind of music so much. Uh, let me ask you, I was wondering more on the technical side, uh, when you were playing <clears throat> with the P-Funk, like what kind of amps would you be guys using or would you be laced with? Uh, what kind of equipment? Well, it, 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 every, at one point, you know, George allowed people to play with what they wanted to play. When I first started, yeah, I was, I was wondering playing that. a Roland, Roland Jazz Chorus 120. Mm. Just a little small amp, but it, you know, it, it had the thing that I wanted at the time, uh, uh, keeping in mind that I hadn't been playing that type of music. You know I mean? I was funking, but it was something else. So I later discovered that that was not the app mm. for me. You mm. know what I mean? What kind of guitar and, uh, did you like? Pardon me? What kind of guitar did you like at the time? Oh, back then I was, uh, I think I was a Fender guy back right. then. And, uh, with that JC 120, and I think one night what really woke me up uh, after one gig somewhere, Blackbird walked in the dressing room and said, "Okay, enough's enough. We need some effects on these guitars." <laughs> and he he was like, 
this, this, uh, he was like, because he was a band leader at the time, you know, he was like, you know, uh, he was, he could flip out real easy, but this time it wasn't no flip out. It was just like, no, 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 we need to get some effects and we need to see what was up. Next thing I know, the amps changed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to Marshall's or the rectifiers or, yeah. uh, you know, it turned, it turned into a rock band. You know, it wasn't no, you know, playing no little clubs. It started getting, it started to change. Mm-hmm. And then my guitars started to change. I moved on to a Gibson thing, uh, uh, Gibson Les Paul, at that, uh, further in that particular tenure, was my guitar of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up with an endorsement with them, I think Epiphone and uh, a few other other things. And I just kind of kind of played that Gibson sound. Uh, for 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 what for my what my job requirements were there. Mm. Got it. And I think when you were playing with some other cats that would be in there, you know, Gary Scheider, uh, Mike Hampton. You mentioned Blackbird before. Uh, Cordell came back at one point, right? And like Billy Bass Nelson yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Um, sure did. How did? Would you uh, to get ready for on the guitars, especially when you first came in? Would you do stuff in sectionals, or would they just give you a bunch of tapes and say, "Here, learn this"? Do you ever do a proper well, rehearsal with like a, the drums and bass, or how did you get ready for it? Well, uh, the first, very first rehearsal that I ever did with uh, P Funk, the P Funk All Stars at the time, was uh, in pre- getting uh, preparation for that uh, that German thing that we left and did with the Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. That's when, when, well, I guess they knew I was going to be playing, and it was like, okay, well, these are the parts that you're going to play. You know what I mean? So I didn't really have time to figure shit out. I was told what I was going to play. Right, right. You know what I mean? And and understandably so, because that part needed to be played, and other other parts were being played. You know, so it was some it was sometime a great need for five guitar players. Mm. You know what I mean? To 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 uh, achieve what was recorded. So to answer your question, I, uh, uh, like I say, I was uh, showed what to play, told what to play. And then as new songs were introduced, then I would sit home or in the room and learn parts. And then we would have like a semi rehearsable for sound check or something, you know, and then just going to hit it. But, uh, my overall take was I, we all were expected to do the job that you, you're not on this stage. If you unqualified to right. do this job, because mm-hmm. if you if you can't do it, there's 15 other cats that can come up here and outdo you. Mm-hmm. So you get the blessing to do this job. You better do these parts, and that's how I looked at it, and that's how I was able to stay focused, even on some nights when I felt I should be the one soloing somewhere, you mm-hmm. know. And George would hold me back, you know. I would like to keep my eye on the prize. Okay, I got the gig. I'm gonna be yeah, pissed, right? But I'll be I'll be sleeping a few hours, so yeah. you know it's cool. You know, he I cut I cut loose a few times, you know. But my job was something else, you know, nice. and that's a part of the reason why that my image thing started to change. You know, it's like okay, I gotta I gotta be I gotta do something up in this bad boy. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> right, 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 right. Something to get a guy. <laughs> hey, man, you said <laughs> you said something to me that's really interesting. I want to unpack. Didn't didn't you and Eddie Hazel weren't you like roomies for like four years or something? You lived with Eddie Hazel. Okay. No, Eddie Hazel lived with me. Eddie Hazel uh, lived I'm with the you. One who, I, yeah, I'm the young cat who had the apartment <laughs> in, in, in Highland Park. What yeah. was that like, Eddie? man? 
That was during was the Atomic Dog and wild and crazy. I bet. It was just, you know. And it was an on and off thing. It wasn't like a consecutive thing. You know what I mean? Like, he might be there four or five months at a time. And, you know, hanging out with one of his girlfriends or, you know, he was a he was a very interesting dude. But I learned so much guitar from that man. I bet. It, it was worth it because he was like, man, I need a place to pass. Here's the key. Come on in. You know, uh, another one. Stevie Pinnell was another one. Stevie actually lived with me for the longest. Robert Pino Johnson lived in my place. Mm. You know, you know, it's like I always had a place that somebody could lay their head and right. then go do their thing. Nice. Um, you know, when, when was the last time? Always a funkadelic. Right. Always a funkadelic in your place. When was the last time you like yeah. saw Eddie, or was he playing with the band before he died? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. We were we were in the band. We were in this. Yeah, we were in the band together when he passed. Yep, we were in the band, and the, the last time I saw him was in uh, 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 Dayton, Ohio. What is something as a guitarist? And just kind of vibing off that. What's something you would learn from Eddie Hazel as a guitarist, like an insight in something you might have borrowed or just an idea um, about approach to guitar that you got from him? He told me to sing the parts as I played them. Ah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, he told me to sing the parts. That and, makes sense. Uh, and, I, you know, I started practicing that. And, you know, to some extent, you know, that, that worked, you know, because he, he, this is another thing. He is the guy who taught me uh, the, how to play maggot brain. He's the guy who taught me cosmic flop. He's mm. the one taught wow. me hitting the quid. He's the one taught me standing on the verge. Wow. He's uh. the one that taught me, uh, uh, I want you so bad, California dreaming, all of these tunes. Because we'd be sitting up late at night, drunk in my place, you <laughs> know, um, you know, and, and he's like, pick the guitar up. You know, let's, you know, let's do this thing, you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, but he told me to sing the parts, guys. So, uh, that kind of, that kind of, kind of stuck with me. And it made, you know, doing the punk songs a lot easier because I could hear him when he, I I understood what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Damn, that's, (laughs) God, what an honor that would be to learn, (laughs) to learn those songs from him, Jay Stone. Oh my gosh. Was he, what was his, I, I never really heard, um, what was his state of mind, Eddie Hazel? Was he always happy with George? Was he? Did he feud with him a lot? Was he kind of just on the periphery and not really tripping? Oh, man, man, I think everybody feuds with George. Come on, man. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know, in some way, form, shape, or fashion, I don't know to what degree. I mean, I know Eddie left the band early in the 70s, so something must have been kind of right. not cool for him for a minute, you know, and a couple of those guys, but... You know, they all left and came back, you know, to, you know, I I got fired and came back, you know what I mean? Uh a, a couple times. You said you, you got know. fired the most out of any other member, huh? Like ninety six <laughs> times. I think I've been fired more than anybody in the whole P Punk organization. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> but, oh, but it's cool. You know, right. it's cool because I know I know that, you know, you know, if the world ever open up, you know, and, and you know, and George, you know, is in a cool frame of mind with me, you know, I'll probably, you know, I'd be honored to play there again, you know. Your last tour yeah. with them was 2014? Yeah, somewhere back there, yeah. That song, Laughing, that you have, 
Um, yeah. I love that song. That song is a whole different kind of thing, and I've been tripping off that song. Let's listen to a little bit of this. Listen to this, Jay Stone. You okay. haven't heard this before. This is a cool tune. Listen to this intro. Chord changes are great. They're not hanging out with me. It's just out with me. That was nice. <laughs> I like that, man. Talk to me about That's that That's a song. personal one. That was a personal one. That was directed at the cats I was around at that time. I think I might have been fired at that time. Yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, that's a good way of working that out, man, with mm-hmm. that song. Woo. Yeah. And that's yeah. the way those lyrics are written. It's very universal. Like people can, you know, people can relate to that, even though they don't know what your personal uh, pain, where that's coming from. Uh, I love that tune, man. Um, by the way, what kind? What's your uh, recording software that you like these days? Like, what kind of drum machines and keyboards you use, or do you have a particular? Well, well, you know what? I'm kind of like a, a dinosaur trying to take the cobwebs off. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not using the computer and stuff anymore, man. I'm. Uh, Okay, cool. I'm starting over with this uh, with this MPC, this MPC one. I'm starting there. Nice. And nice. it's a stand. It's a standalone. I got you know that what same I mean? machine. And uh, I can I can do all of my work. Right SD there. card, take it somewhere. Boom, session is there. I don't need all that all that extra stuff. Right. You know what I mean? 
And uh, it's, it's really sounding good. I'm going to have to make sure that I get you something. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, even if it's just for your personal uh, enjoyment. Uh, I would love in that. A, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll let you, let you hear where I'm at. How long have you had that machine? And a month. Yeah, I had mine for about maybe two months, and it was a curve for so me. So how's it working for you? Man, it's incredible. It's incredible. Thanks for saying that. Thanks I have the that. I have the MPC studio and just learning okay, the okay. learning the the routing and everything on the MPC one. It was a little bit of a curve, but I put the time into it and it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, because yeah. I almost bought the uh, live, uh-huh. you know, and then I was like, you know, let me start here. Yeah, and it's you standalone. Know? You know what I mean. Right. When you get it in your computer, though, it's it's off the hook. You know what I mean? Oh, is that right? Yeah, when you get it in the computer, it's sky's the limit. You know. Okay. Yeah, F nine. Okay. Remember F nine instruments? They got some tight shit in there. F nine. Okay. Yo, um, okay. This is the part of the interview. I've just got some random shit I want to ask you about. And thank you, by the way, for talking to us so much, Andre. We really love talking about these old stories and your whole process. It's very, it's very interesting to us and our listeners, so yeah. thank you. Um, You're very welcome. Yeah, we're hanging on every word. We love it. You, um, <laughs> there was a time when you were doing something with Prince, and Prince freaked out and left because uh, a, <laughs> a sweaty Gary Scheider, like, hugged him or something. He got all sweat on him, and so he left. Is that true? Oh, wow. Well, what happened was, uh, I think uh, George and I were performing. Uh-huh. Was, the band was playing. Yeah. And Gary was was very excitable. And, you know, he would walk up and hug anybody, you know, and, you know, with that with that funk thing. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he uh, kind of... <laughs> He's a different kind of cat. (laughs) Wow. You don't like the funk funk, but yeah. (laughs) And then um, at Fort Mason uh, here in the Bay Area, didn't they like abandon your ass one time? You like broke your leg. You fell off the, um, like fell off the mother. Yeah. Yeah. What what was that? What happened there? (laughs) Oh man, man! Why you want to bring that? This okay, guy's good. Check this out. You told me. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny because um, what actually happened was uh, in the course of us doing the doing the performance, everything going good. Uh, the other guitar dude, Michael Hampton, decides to bring his friend, this DJ fella, on the stage and tell anybody. With a, you know, a big long, you know, them two two turntables, albums all over the damn place. Damn. You know, just that, just, just like what the hell, right in front of where my you know stage position was at the time. Right. So to get out of the way, I go over to where Ray Davis was at, and he was like, "Man, just play over here." You know, Mike, Mike doing the you know whatever that is over there. <laughs> so I decided to walk up the stairs. You know, George Clinton stairs. You know, descending from their mothership. So everything was cool, you know, I'm jamming, I'm safe, you know, it's cool until it was time for me to sing a little background part. So not really, you know, not really paying attention and uh, probably uh, 18 of there too many, maybe, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I wasn't watching my footing. 
and I fell down those stairs Bye. and uh, broke my leg. And uh, damn. And then the band played on, you know. Oh my God. Show went on. Show went on, uh. you know, and I'm like, what the hell? So I finally pulled the boot off I had on, and that's when the thing slowed up uh. massively. So I knew it wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I probably was coming on too strong at that time again anyway, you know. So when 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 the uh, ambulance finally arrived and they told me that, you know, there was no way I was going to walk on this mud, I better get back to where I'm going, I was like, hey, guys, you know, I need to get a ticket. I need to get home, you know. Right, and that right. Wasn't that, that and that wasn't met really, really well, <clears throat> you know. So, uh, you know, made it happen. My wife and I, I got home uh, the next day because they, they had just split. Mm. You know, they had to get to the next place. So I'm like Damn. wobbling around, right. broke legs, all this extra stuff. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, when I get back to New York and uh, had the plates and stuff installed, I just didn't hear anything from them guys for a minute. You know, it was like, what the heck is going on? I'm messed up over here. And okay, the band played on. Dang. You know, and uh, that was a another turning point because George and I ended up in court. You know what I mean? And mm. That that was messy. You know, and it you know it soured the relationship for you know. For a few years. Well, what were you looking for yeah. your your medical bills? Um, what... Well, um, first of all, uh, it, it, it's called uh, 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 what's it called? What's it? Uh, I can't think of the, some kind of compensation. Anyway, if you're working on the job, oh, and you get hurt on the job. Oh, right, workers' you know compensation. What I mean? Yeah, that. that. Yeah, right, right, right. So right you're right. supposed to carry that, right? You know. And we got all this stuff hanging over our heads. You're supposed to have that. There's not supposed to be no, well, for nobody's answering the phone. What, what the heck's going on? Yeah. You know what I mean? So other than other than the medical bills, it was like, well, you know what? You should you should not only take care of that, which were pretty substantial, mm. but you should do this too, since you haven't done that, sir. Right, right. So that didn't, that didn't go over too well. So I, I had to take it to the next place, and, you know, we ended up in court. Wow. And, uh, you know, I came out victorious, you know, mm-hmm. and like I say, it just soured things for a minute. Bet. And, uh, you know, that got patched up, you know, and, uh, uh, wow. the band played on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got it. That's amazing. Is that was the seven seventy sixth time you got fired? Or? <laughs> you haven't got to ninety yeah, somewhere yet. around there. <laughs> Yo, I got a couple more questions for you before we go, but we cannot end this interview right. without listening to a little bit of Squirrel. Squirrel looking for a oh, nut, Jay Stone. We have to uh, hear that before we go. Let's listen to a little bit of Squirrel looking for a nut. This is by Andre Fox. Oh, check out these lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta do a cover song of this. Nice. Ooh. 
kids listening at home that song's about you know just like food and you know good healthy <laughs> it's just about <laughs> it's about protein and stuff like that um honestly the video for that song by the way that's just that that's shit is dope hey by the way so are are you cousins with johnny lee hooker yes wow nice did you always know that growing up or did you find that out later no, I found that out from my mother much later. Mm-hmm. And when I was well into my 30s, I found that out. Sweet. Wow. Yeah. No wonder you got it in the bloodline. And then also, yeah. this is like a random question I thought, and you've, you've also mentioned him a couple times. I don't hear a lot about Ray Davis, just kind of like what he was like or what it was like hanging out with him. We're talking about the bass voice from uh, P-Funk. What was Ray Davis mm-hmm. like? Ray Davis... Uh, um, well, okay, from my perspective, you know, he's a, he's an older guy, first of all, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so he, he had a different type of discipline mm-hmm. about him, you know, um, he was quiet for the most part, you know, in my experience, you know, he could be boisterous when, when he needed to be, mm-hmm. you know, and he, uh, he, he came and then he went because, uh, for the first few years in the early nineties, he, you know, him and Grady uh, were not there. Grady Thomas, right. I'm speaking of. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when they, when they came back, you know, it was like maybe two years or something. If that, I would have to think a little harder, but for the most part, he was cool. You know, you know, we, I didn't really hang with that dude. He was an older guy. You know what I mean? Right, right. I wasn't hanging with him, you know, you know, couple occasions we might have been like you know we both might have stayed up a little too late (laughs) (laughs) trying to hear what we each other was talking about (laughs) also um (laughs) are you um because i wondered about this you know jay stone on some of those parliament albums there's so many names on it you're wondering like who keeps track of all these people that played on the album yeah you did that for stuff like uh, Glory Hall of Stupid, right, Andre? Like when you were really young, you you like kept kept track uh, of who yeah. who played on that. Is that true? That yeah, was the Glory. I did that for Glory Hall of Stupid, Electric Spank and the War Babies, uh, mm. 
Felipe Wynn's album, the Sweatband album. The Sweatband uh, album. Wow. So yeah. what did that mean? You just had you had like a pad and you'd write it all down, or who gave you that job? This is so funny. Ron Dunbar one day was sitting down writing uh, liner notes, and he handed me the pad, and he goes, "Whose name is it on here?" So I just started writing down the names that I remembered because. I was at the sessions because I had to drive these guys around. Right. You know? Right. So I knew yeah. who was, you know. So uh, I give him the pad back, and he goes, you're exactly right. I said, uh, give me that pad back. Now, by this time, George had walked down the hall. I, I mean, George wasn't really talking that much, you know, even though I was working for him. Mm-hmm. He sat down. He sat down, and he said, he said, let me see that list. And he was looking at it, and he was, he was like, okay, that's right. I forgot about this person. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then I, I, I was looking at both of them, and I was like, you know you, you know who names ain't on there, guys? You know, so they was like, no, we got everybody. You know, <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm, trying, I'm like, you guys are really high or something. <laughs> Your two names ain't on there. What are you talking about? The two main dudes. Yeah. They cracked up. And then they, just, then they would say, Drake, who was on these sessions? <laughs> so I made it a point to, to to remember who who was there, you know. And then you know they, uh, you know, for the most part, George's memory was pretty good. Probably still is. I know Ron Dunbar uh, uh, was pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. So we were able to to hone it down. And you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they would let other people, you know, look over it to make sure, you know, that we that we got everybody. But I kind of made it a point to know who did what and when and where, you know? Sure, and that's good on you, because obviously not everybody does that, right, Andre? Well, yeah. I'm sure somebody was doing it before I was doing it, because it's always been a liner note. Somebody had to remember. You right, know, I can't, right. I can't think they just started forgetting when I came along. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so somebody had, I mean, that is a joke, but somebody had to, you know, be doing it. Right. I was just glad that, you know, I I uh I was there to at least let my young memory work, you know. By the way, I don't want to talk about like everything's like past, man. You got I know you're really excited about your future music, stuff you're doing now and stuff you'll do in the future. What you got coming down the pike, especially now that like you know, it looks like everybody will be out be able to go outside again pretty soon. Uh what you gonna okay, be doing? Well I am currently putting some stuff together with a couple of cats for this uh, brand new Psychedelic Ghetto Pimp Project. I'm going to try to, I'm gonna try right. to do a, a, a top flight one this time. Nice. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that name is pretty catchy. You know, I haven't got any objections to that name yet. It's and I like name. I like that vibe because I could slide in between my character uh, in, in that particular uh, 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 format. Uh, also, I'm working with this cat, uh, Dr. Ryan, uh, Christian and, and his group is called the uh, what's it called the Heroes on Fire. Heroes on Fire, like a, yeah, like a spiritual, gospel yeah. kind of Christian sort of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, we definitely in the development stages. As a matter of fact, uh, Ace, when you called me earlier, I was uh, recording then. Oh, okay. okay. So this is like this is like you know it's, it's happening right now. It's, it's it's in the, it's in the in, in, uh, embryo stages, but uh, it's it's, it's going to happen. 
I am also getting ready to write some songs uh, for another friend of mine's project. Uh, I keep mentioning this cat, Amp Filler, has got a project. Mm -hmm. And he needs me to do uh, four or five tracks for these girls called Dames Brown. Mm. So I'm going to uh, uh, probably be playing some drums and some guitar and bass uh, in the near future for that stuff. And that should be enough to keep me busy for at least a month. That's uh, that's great, man. You know, yeah. Keep us and in the loop. I'm really excited hear... about this. I'm sorry, I got a little bit of an echo, but I was I'm really excited about uh, jumping into this new this new format that I'm getting ready to do because I'm I, I don't want to sound like I'm unfunky. But I got to speed this thing up a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Man. You know, well, we're looking I'm forward to it. We want to hear it. it. And uh, I'm going to make sure y'all get it. I'm going to make sure you guys get it before anyone gets it, because I would probably need your feedback anyway. All right. Well, we're I'll, good at that. Yeah, we'll be we'll be glad to do that. Look, man, it's been Wait. great. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for giving us your time and you know all your great stories, great perspective. It's an inspiring life, and uh, uh, you know all the ups and downs. And uh, love your material, love mm -hmm. your work, and Thank we you. we found out a lot more about you than we knew, and we appreciate that. What are you gonna do? Uh, I guess it's later there for you. What are you gonna do for the rest of the night? What do you got going on tomorrow? More recording? Well. Tonight, I'm going to turn this machine on and get back to my uh, my <laughs> study so I can learn this thing nice. and, uh, and, and and start cranking them out. You know, I'm getting around, but, you know, like I said, I've only had it a short amount of time, so mm -hmm. I have to really take time, and you know, for myself, you Not know, deep. and stop worrying about other people right now and get into it. Tomorrow, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to rehearse with a church band that wants me to play at the church in Pontiac, Michigan, next Sunday. Oh, okay. So, yeah, give me, give me some gospel chops. Hell yeah. Go in there and get on down. There you go. And uh, something to do, you know what I mean? Just stay positive. Right on, mm -hmm. right on. Yeah. Well, thank you mm -hmm. so much, man. It's been great talking to you. I'll talk to you again soon. I'll keep you in the loop about the episode. And uh, stay okay. funky, man. Stay funky. Right on, Dre. Thank you. Thank right you on. very much. It's a pleasure talking to both of you. And uh, uh, I got to call JW and tell him thank you. Yeah, yeah. Job. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna thank him too. He is the man. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. All right, man. You have I'm a good night. I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna call him right now, guys. Let me call him now. Okay. Sweet. Tell cool, him man. we said hello. Yeah. I sure will, guys. All right, man. Get back to those studies after that too. Okay, you know I will because I got to keep up with you. I know you slamming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a beautiful night. Okay, stay safe, guys. Right All right, man. Peace. That was great. <clears throat> um, Nick.
Okay, so I just got a text from Andre Fox, Jason, oh, yeah. and he says, Hey, man, not trying to be greedy, but when you mentioned that Prince thing, I forgot to mention that time he let me play his guitar at Paisley Park Damn. for his TV special what? because I forgot mine. He forgot his guitar. <laughs> Is there any way we could add that? And I said, yes, we could add it in the outro. So I just did. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Andre. <laughs> Wow, right on, man. But that tight. was cool. That was cool talking to him. Yeah, it was. I wanted to talk to him, especially for what's going on right now these days in politics and what's going on socially in the world. Right. Uh, Andre does have an experience. Um, we'll, we'll talk to him about it later. Um, he has an experience with police brutality, mm. with being hurt by police officers in the early 90s. Um, he even won a settlement settlement i believe from the lapd according to his other interview with him that i heard yeah i wanted to ask him about that but we were having such a good time and we're talking about other things that were more positive i didn't want to put it well i didn't want to put him back to that day because i know he really got hurt and it was a scary situation and i didn't want you know what i mean he was he was feeling so positive i didn't didn't want to mess him up too much niceness but i just wanted him to know that i care about that stuff too i don't want it just all be like sunshine and sprinkles if somebody has something to say I'm here to witness that, and I right. think it's important for people to hear that. I wonder how people who've gone through that feel about when they see, like, uh, George Floyd or anything like that. You well, know, how, how does it reflect? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was wondering. Yeah. So I hope we can revisit that with him. But we were talking about so many things. There's yeah. so much, you know, time and time goes by. Podcasts don't have a time limit, but, you know, we can't be here for five hours. Nick will throw us out of here, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, before we go, I just want to say a couple of things. So um, just want to remind you, we got some Funkin' videos coming out, as uh, Jay Stone said. Yeah. Uh, our theme song, I Can Never Be, which is also on the Bible, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth by the Funkin' also Planet Funk. That's where our dispatches are from. So we're making a video for both of those tunes here locally in Oakland. Yep, Soundwave. At, at the Soundwave Studios. That's going to be really fun. It's gonna be, and we, we already scouted it out and took a look at the stage, figured out what we're going to do. That's going to be really great. Um, again, uh, we're going to be performing an outdoor show in October 16th at La Raza. It's a tribute to... Uh, Fallen Latin rock uh, soldiers. Jorge Santana. Jorge Santana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armando Peraza. Yep. 
Uh, there's going to be some amazing local talent there, including some Escovitos, I, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure, are going to be there. Local international talent. Local international. You know? I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good. It was amazing to play in his backyard yeah, and hang out at his house. And uh, his people are so cool. Everybody was so cool. Uh, that was really fun. Yeah. Um, Want to remind you to listen to our future episodes, guys. Uh, we got Marshall Thompson from the Shy Lights coming on. Nice. We got Grady Tom, uh, Grady Thomas. I almost called him Grady Thompson. That would be really stupid. Shady Grady. If I if I mess up again, please tell me. Don't yeah. let me do another Daytona Word. over here. <laughs> yeah, but Shady Grady, I can't wait to talk to him. I'm really excited about that, especially because I'm such a fan of other stuff he's done outside of P Funk as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. Let me circle back. I forgot to say it was really cool. Um, that to learn that Richard was actually in touch with Willie Wild, yeah. you know, small world man. Yeah. Uh, Willie Wild, uh, Sparks, uh, original drummer for Graham Central Station, who passed away about about a year ago now. Right. It was like last May. Yeah. And thanks to Chocolate from Graham Central Station, we did a tribute show to him. Uh, wow, it's already been like a year since then. Yeah. Anyway, it was nice to hear that Richard Segovia knew him and was talking to him. And was trying to help him out before he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I really—that's that's the kind of guy he is. He's yeah. a real, real helpful guy. He helps yeah. so many people. He cares he's about like so a, many people. A walking angel. He is like a walking angel. Mm-hmm. He's like a superhero. Yeah. But he's also real fun and just crazy as all get out too. <laughs> I mean, he he has a couple screws loose. That guy. <laughs> uh, it was an honor, honor to work with him. Uh, okay, don't forget, guys. We got aced out T-shirts. You'll see a button on our website to get yourself one of those. And yeah, you can pre-order one. We got plenty of shirts no matter what size you are. (laughs) So don't be shy. Um, I got a text message recently from Sweet LD, Jay Stone. Okay. I guess, you know, she's not in love with herself. So she never got around to until recently listening to her episode. She just listened to it like last week or something. So she shot me a message like, oh, I love this. This is so cool. You know, she was really into it. Nice. So glad, glad to hear that. And because uh, we were shouting her out before that. And then, but she said she hates her voice. I've, oh, never, really? I've never heard a rapper say they uh, hate their voice, but I, told, I assured her her voice sounds yeah, absolutely she fantastic. Sounded nice. Yeah, she sounded she, very good. Yeah, that was a great episode. She sounded like she do it all the time. I know, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Anyway, I think she's just very modest. So right. we'll, we'll just let her be modest. Anyway, man, uh, I got to get going. I know you do too, Jay Stone. Mm-hmm. My asthma has been killing me lately. Oh, I can't even believe I did this, managed to do this show. Jeez. The pollen has just been ferocious, dude. Wow. Anyway, I kind of got um, uh, a tickle up my butt to listen to some more Junie Morrison because we we're talking about Junie. Right. Uh, and I mentioned the song Tightrope. Uh, Junie Morrison, just great multi-instrumentalist, mostly known for keyboards, but basically plays everything. Mm-hmm. He did three solo albums for Westbound uh, after he left the Ohio Players. They're all dope. Played basically everything except the strings on all his albums. Yeah. My favorite, all-time favorite Junie Morrison tune is a song called Tightrope. So we're going to leave you with that. And we'll see you next time, all. Thanks for listening to Aced Out Podcast. Holla. Well, isn't he the granny?
Yeah, he's yeah. the granny. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what you want to do? Do we get paid for this? <laughs> yeah, we're going to get paid. Don't you let me catch you falling. Don't you let me catch you falling.